Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for January 26, 2018. Ten games for us to go through. Some injury situations, as per usual. Some guys coming back from injury. First game on the slate, Atlanta Hawks at the Charlotte Hornets. From the Hawks side of the game, I, I kind of have the same opinion that I had the other night, which is Dennis Schroeder's at 7,300. He's worth looking at in GPPs. And more than likely, everybody else is playing somewhere in the mid-20s amount of minutes. So I don't really think there's anybody else that I would consider rostering from the Hawks. From the Hornets side of the game, Dwight Howard's been playing really well recently. His price has gotten all the way up to 8800 so I think that's a bit too expensive for me. Same with Kemba Walker at 8700 And I don't really think there's anybody else I want to roster on this team most nicer than Howard and Walker and they're just too pricey for me yeah this is a game that in theory should be a good stack game or at least a good spot for the Hornets but the pricing is just tough uh the one guy who looks too cheap but I think I'm not going back to him anymore until his minutes are more consistent is Torian Prince uh the Hawks are just not playing him unless he's having a good game basically so it seems like he only gets minutes if he starts strong and with 10 games to choose from, I just don't think it's worth reaching for him. So I've been on Torian Prince a little bit recently. He's been someone I've had light exposure to on most of the slates where he's been under 5,000. But I think I'm off him for this game. And if he happens to get his 30 minutes, then great. But I don't think it's a good bet anymore at this point to expect him to do well. Uh, John Collins was really good last game. But I'm not sure if this is the best spot for him. Again, it's it's kind of the same thing. We're on a smaller slate, I think playing for the upside with Collins would be worth it, but I'm not going there for this one. So I think uh, this game is probably just a fade with Kemba and Dwight being that expensive. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, just Dennis Schroeder is probably the one guy who I'd have in my player pool if I was making uh, multiple lineups. Next game here is the Utah Jazz at the Toronto Raptors. From the Jazz side of the game, uh, Donovan Mitchell's price has gotten down to below 7000 He's at 6700 He has not played as well this year when Rudy Gobert's on the floor. There's just not as much room for him to operate with both Gobert and Favors taking up space in the middle. But still, I think under 7000 for Donovan Mitchell is worth looking at for the upside. See what Rudy Gobert's minutes have been. So he played 38 minutes last game. It did go to overtime. Uh, but still, if we could expect 30-plus minutes for Gobert, I think he's in play at 7000 He started the year. I guess it's not fair to say what he was priced at to start the year. He started the year at 8800 and then just went down really quickly because he wasn't playing well. Uh, let's see, what is he averaging for the season? Uh, averaging 31.5 fantasy points in 30 minutes in a Decent matchup against Toronto isn't bad against center. So, yeah, I think that Gobert and Mitchell are both fine plays for GPP. From the Toronto side of the game, this is a really tough matchup. The Jazz are very good on defense, particularly with Gobert. Um, yeah, so even though 76 and 7200 for Lowry and DeRozan is cheap prices, but not for me in this matchup. I think the one guy people might want to roster is Jonas Valanciunas. He was really good in his last game, and Drummond did really well against Rudy Gobert. So people might forget how good Gobert is defensively and roster Valanciunas again. I'm definitely not doing that, but I think if you are using Mitchell and Gobert, who I would agree with you probably have a little bit of value, then if you're going to put one Toronto guy with him, I think Lowry does make some sense. 
but this is probably a game to mostly stay away from. I think Lowry could make sense for a few GPP lineups if, like you said, you're playing with a lot of lineups. I think he's a comparable pick to Schroeder for this slate at basically the same price. Uh, yeah, I, I still think I prefer Schroeder. Uh, but yeah, maybe if you have a couple Utah players, then he makes a little bit more sense. Uh, but in a vacuum, I would prefer Schroeder. Uh, next game on the slate is the Indiana Pacers, the Cleveland Cavaliers. This should be a very high-scoring game. The Cavs have altered their starting lineup. They're going back to Tristan Thompson because if at first something does not work, you go away from it and then do it over and over again 10 times a year for the next two seasons. That seems to be how the Cavs have run their lineup with Tristan Thompson. They start him. It doesn't go well. They go back to a small ball lineup, which ultimately is optimal for them. Uh, but they always seem to find their way back to the Tristan Thompson lineup, which inevitably doesn't work, and they get away from it. But that is the lineup the Cavs are playing for tomorrow. I think that Victor Oladipo is in play at 9500 It is a little bit pricey for him, but I'm still okay with it. And then we have Miles Turner is questionable. If he's out, then I think Sabonis and Thaddeus Young are both in play. Uh, but... I think all of them are fine to stay away from if Turner's playing, because Turner's probably going to be playing limited minutes, and then I, I think it's just going to be not a ton of minutes for any of Turner, Sabonis, or Thaddeus Young. From the Cavs side of the game, I think LeBron is fine to pay up for a 10100 Tristan Thompson, even though I just railed on that lineup for not working, if he's going to start and play decent minutes at 3600 in a plus matchup, he makes for a very strong value play. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, I still think he's in play at 6,300. And then Kevin Love, I know he's kind of been on the outs a little bit lately in the Cleveland locker room, and it's also resulted in some lower minutes for him. He only played 26 minutes last game. But I still think he's fine for GPPs, just not cash game. Overall, this is a really strong spot for the Cavs, and LeBron is my favorite player to pay up for on the slate. Well, I think you said LeBron was at 10,100. If that were the case, I think uh, I'd have... 11,100. Yeah, if, if he were 10,100, I think I'd have him in every lineup. But at 11,100, I think he still is a really strong play. I agree with you there. It's a good matchup against the Pacers at home for the Cavs. I'm a little worried about Tristan Thompson's effect on this game. If the Cavs are playing a bigger lineup, it could hurt the pace a little bit. So I don't think that should hurt LeBron too much, um, but I, I am a little wary of it being a, a bit slower of a game and the Pacers not being as strong of plays. Also, if Miles Turner is on a minutes restriction, then it kind of just hurts production across the board for everyone else. And Darren Collison is supposed to be back for this game. Uh, I probably would have liked Oladipo a lot more if Collison were out. So I'm, I'm not going to have a ton of interest in the Pacers side which makes it kind of hard to roster too many Cavs together. So I think going with maybe two, three Cavs per lineup that you're using them at least, and maybe one Pacers guy, I guess Oladipo would be the guy. He's, he does seem pretty safe at 9500 A little pricey, but I think kind of a fair price because it is a plus matchup. Um, I think the core for this game for me would be LeBron, Isaiah Thomas, and Oladipo, and then maybe having some Tristan Thompson exposure because I also think that Thompson being there we don't have a lot of data on this because they haven't. Thompson hasn't played in the starting lineup that much this year, but I would assume that with Thompson in the starting lineup, there's just less rebounding potential for Kevin Love. Let's see. They play a lot. Um, well, just for the pace, we can check because they did. Um, they were like league average in pace last year. They started Tristan Thompson a decent amount last year, and. 
they are it's it's almost the exact same pace this year from last year um i'd say maybe he has a little bit of impact but also he's not like a traditional big he's he's a little undersized and he's still fairly athletic in terms of being able to run the court and the other thing that i the other reason i think that big men tend to impact the pace a little bit is where teams actually utilize the big man in the offense where they're giving him the ball. But since he's such a low-usage player and they don't run plays for him, all of his offensive production comes from offensive rebounds and putbacks. So it's not like they're targeting him on offense to run plays through our post-up, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess then the, the one area I would still be concerned about is the potential for Kevin Love to rebound the ball if he's playing a lot of minutes with LeBron and Tristan Thompson both yeah, on the court. That, that, I think, is a fair concern. I do think it hurts Kevin Love's rebounding upside. And it might hurt LeBron's a little too, but I still think LeBron's a good enough play anyway. Next game here is the Brooklyn Nets at the Milwaukee Bucks. The Nets still a fade for me with D'Angelo Russell back playing limited minutes. Also a tough matchup for them against Milwaukee. From the Milwaukee side of the game, we have Giannis Antetokounmpo coming back from, it was knee soreness. It wasn't really a real injury, though. This was, I mean, not that he was not injured, but he wasn't injured either. It was kind of a thing where he does have some knee soreness. And they had these two games set up where they were really spread out from other games. So it was a situation where the Bucks were able to give Giannis two games off, and he got almost 10 days of rest. I think the last time he will have played was nine days ago. So with Giannis back, Bledsoe Middleton still a bit priced up, so I think that they're out of play. But Giannis at 10400 what was his price before he... Well, I guess I, I thought he was more expensive, but I, I guess he just, uh, as we've said before, he does have slightly less usage since Bledsoe came back so it is just kind of on par with what his pricing has been since Bledsoe uh, started playing more minutes for the Bucks. so I think that Bledsoe I think middle uh Bledsoe Middleton definite fades for me and then Giannis I think is a fine GPP target because it's a plus matchup but I'd prefer to pay up for LeBron yeah I don't think I'll have much Giannis just because of preferring to pay up for LeBron so I think there is value there but LeBron just seems like a better pick um doesn't look like there's a ton of blowout risk, at least by the Vegas line. Um, the Nets just, for whatever reason, managed to stay in games. I think we've looked at a lot of point spreads for Nets games this year, and just we, we've been surprised at how low they are, but the Nets do seem to play well on the road, at least. They're not winning the games, but they're staying in them, and they actually almost beat the Thunder in Oklahoma City last game. I think it was that was the game Westbrook hit the shot to go up by one at the end. Um so I'm not worried about blowout risk too much, but the Bucks are a better team than the Nets, so maybe that's a concern for Giannis. Either way, though, I don't think that there's any reason to look at the Nets side of this game on the 10-game slate. It's a really bad matchup for them. And with D'Angelo Russell back, they just have too many guys to worry about. Next game, another one with some spread-out minutes, Lakers at Bulls. The Lakers' front court situation is so difficult to figure out between Brooke Lopez, Larry Nance, Julius Randle, and Kyle Kuzma all being healthy now. Randle has played the most consistent minutes of all of them, except that doesn't mean that he's immune to those games where he doesn't play a ton. If you look at his last four games, or actually last five games, 22 minutes, 23, 20, a 37, and a 27-minute game, there was some blowouts there, but... Still, the game where he played 20 minutes against the Pacers, that was a fairly competitive game. 
The game against the Grizzlies was pretty competitive. We only played 22 minutes. It's really difficult to accurately guess the minutes of the front court. So on 10 games, I prefer to stay away from it. Jordan Clarkson's been playing well in the backcourt and playing more minutes recently after kind of mysteriously falling out of the rotation almost altogether. But still, 7300 for me is more than I want to pay for him from the Bulls' side of the game, and also just that I don't trust his minutes. Because we've seen, even though they've been there the last couple games, we've seen Luke Walton do weird things with minutes, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him go back to playing like 18 minutes or something like that. From the Bulls' side of the game, uh, what is Zach Levine's minutes at now? He um He's on a minutes restriction now of, I think it's 26 to 28. I think that's what they said. He's been playing about 25, but I think they've uh, they're going to be raising the restriction a bit. Okay, so for the season, Levine is at, he's playing 21 minutes per game and scoring 25 and a half fantasy points. Um, the price has gone up a little bit. I think I, I don't really want to roster him at 27 minutes. I do think that he's going to be a really strong play once the minutes restriction comes off, just because I think he's, other than him and Miritich, are probably the two best scorers on the team. Markin has scored the ball decently this year, except he's not been particularly efficient. I think I just think that Zach Levine's a really solid NBA player, and that can't be said for most of the players on the Bulls roster. Uh, so I think this game, kind of just looking at it, it's a really high over/under of 220. Nobody's like ridiculously expensive, but there are no individual players that I really like for their prices because I think that the minutes tend to be too spread out for these both these teams. Yeah, I think I agree with you and. Clarkson is probably the player who gets rostered the most for this for this slate. But at 7,300, I don't know how much upside he really has. And there's a ton of downside because we've seen Clarkson in basically great spots just play no minutes. It's happened many times this year. We've I don't seen him play decently per minute in some of those games and still play like 15 minutes. Yeah, I, I don't know why that happens where just Josh Hart and Tyler Ennis and Corey Brewer even sometimes just get all the minutes. I don't really know what the Lakers are doing. So I'm not comfortable rostering Clarkson. I think I'd I'd pay for the upside if he was contrarian, but I think he will be pretty high-owned because of how good he's been over the last three games. Um, I'll throw a narrative at you, though. It's actually the Lopez brother matchup, and this worked really well the other night for me. I, I guess sort of well. Marcus Sol wasn't great, but in the Mark versus Powell matchup, Powell was really good. I think he actually played extra minutes. Part of that was because LaMarcus Aldridge was out, but... Do you put any weight into Brooke Lopez maybe having more minutes to play because he's going against Robin Lopez? Maybe the Lakers just let him play 25 to 30 minutes. Uh, I'm not going to say they play better because they're going against each other, but maybe Brooke Lopez gets more minutes because his brother's on the other team. Maybe. I'll say say maybe, but it's like Luke Walton's been so difficult to figure out with the rotations this year, and Brooke Lopez has so consistently played not very many minutes. Like, I think it's easy to forget that Brooke Lopez is kind of by far the most talented player on this team, but it just gets lost that he's playing like 15 minutes per game. So I just think that there's too much minutes downside. Maybe I, I, I do think that there's a non-zero chance it happens, but it would be a thing where like, if I'm making 20 lineups, maybe I consider putting Lopez into one of them. Yeah, I was thinking maybe I'd consider putting him into two or three. I think I'm a little more willing to take the chance there. Um, Lopez is pretty good per minute. I guess he he's kind of gone up and down a lot this year, but I think the upside is there. I guess I guess I'll leave it at this. If there's any Laker player that I think has a lot of upside for his price, 
I think it might only be Lopez because a lot of the other core guys are just pretty expensive now. Yeah, this is uh, it's a weird game to fade looking at the 220-point over-under, but I think that's where we're at. So next game here, Houston Rockets at the New Orleans Hornets. Uh, James Harden, it's a good spot for him, but once again, I just prefer LeBron's path for, for a slightly cheaper price. I think Harden's worth being in the player pool, but I will certainly be heavier on on uh, LeBron tomorrow night. And then Clint Capella's at 7,200. Let's see where have his minutes been recently. Uh, 33, 26, 30, 26, 28. I think he's okay at 7,200, but I would only roster Capella if I was using Harden also just because they correlate well together. From the Pelican side of the game, as this loads, I'm going to assume that DeMarcus Cousins is still ridiculously expensive. He's actually gotten a bit cheaper. Yeah, he's expensive, but not quite as expensive as he was the last couple games. Still prefer LeBron. Uh, I prefer LeBron definitely to DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis. Uh, Drew Holiday, 6,900. He's probably going to be defended by Chris Paul for points of this game. Let's see, what have Darius Miller's minutes been recently? 3,500, because I remember him having a couple of pretty big games recently. Yeah, Darius Miller, a little part of that's because of the overtime games, but Darius Miller's been pretty consistently playing over 30 minutes, so I don't think that he's some great real-life player, fantasy player, but 30 minutes at 3,500 I think makes him a usable value play. Yeah, Darius Miller is probably someone who I would be more inclined to use if he was going along with a game stack to correlate with other just other Pelicans players and other Rockets players. So I think he's a fine play. But yeah, he's not someone who has a ton of upside or is worth having a ton of exposure to. But I, I do think he's usable. Um, are you sure about the Drew Holiday being guarded by Chris Paul thing? Because I think that, well, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but Paul guarded Rondo for at least some of the last matchup. Yeah, but Rondo doesn't really play a ton of minutes. So when Rondo comes off the floor, it's Drew Holiday playing point guard and Chris Paul guarding him. Yeah, that does make sense. I guess Paul would guard both guys. But, well, Rondo's not really usable at 4,700 unless you're just going to guess that he plays 30 to 35 minutes, which he just almost never does anymore. Um, I guess Holiday probably isn't usable then if he's seeing that much of Chris Paul. This is another game where I think it's a two it's a 228 total, and there just isn't a lot of value because of the pricing. So maybe Darius Miller really is the only player that's worth considering that much Um, because everyone's expensive. It should be a high scoring game, but I just don't know how much upside there is for any of these players. Yeah. I think if enough cheap value opens up, I think you could do a game stack with like Harden, Capella, Darius Miller, and then one of either Anthony Davis or DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, But that would really, we would need to have a decent amount of injuries where there's a lot of cheap guys in play for that to happen. Yeah, that's. Uh, I guess that's where we'll have to leave it because this. It, there's nothing that's opening up now, unless something changes. Should we just sit here and wait for? Players? Yeah, let's. Uh, let's. How long should we wait until there's injury news on this? Well, it's it's almost 11 p.m. on the East Coast, so maybe we could go somewhere in the next 14 to 15 hours. I think we'll get an update. All right, that'll be a long podcast. So next game here, we have Clippers at the Grizzlies. Uh, DeAndre Jordan is back for the Clippers. Very annoying last game to have him basically go from being doubtful to playing like 30 minutes before the game started, which cut into Montrez Harrell's minutes, who I was pretty high on for that night. 
But in this matchup in Memphis, really slow pace. Memphis is the slowest paced team in the league. And really nobody priced down for the Clippers. And one of the first times we've seen the Clippers relatively healthy all season. I mean, I know they still don't have Danilo Gallinari, but Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan both in there. We've got uh, Taya Dosich starting from the uh, was it the plantar fasciitis injury. So I, I think that the price are a little bit too high for me for a really down pace game in Memphis. And then from the Memphis side of the game, we have Tyreek Evans is questionable to play. Jarrell Martin is questionable to play. Ben McLemore is questionable. The Grizzlies seem to have like three to five guys that are on the injury report every single day. And then obviously Mike Conley's been out for almost the entire season. They've just been destroyed by injuries. So we kind of have to wait and see just which cheap guys are starting, and they probably make for decent plays. But in advance, it's just really hard to know who's playing for the Grizzlies. Yeah, I think this is the one spot where if we get the news in time, it makes the slate actually playable. Because at this point, there just isn't a ton of value. And the Grizzlies are probably the team with the biggest potential source of value. So if we have a couple of cheap Grizzlies that are starting, maybe it's Ivan Rabb or Wayne Selden or uh, Mario Chalmers, Andrew Harrison, then you can use LeBron and then also use Marcus Cousins or Giannis or James Harden. So then you can get two expensive players in. It makes it a little easier for lineup construction because I don't know how well this slate really shapes up unless we actually have cheap guys to go with. There isn't a lot of value for mid-priced players. There's a few high-priced guys that are probably good value. So we're going to need some, I guess, scrubs to go with a stars and scrubs approach for this one. And the Grizzlies have plenty of scrubs that could be usable. Uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. But the Clippers, I agree with you. There's no one in play anymore with prices high and everyone is just, well, not everyone, but almost everyone is healthy at this point. If you're rostering anybody from Memphis outside of Tyreek Evans and Marcus Gasol, by default, it's a scrub. Because that's, they, they have a team with two good players and then all replacement level players right now, which kind of makes for decent DFS plays from time to time. Uh, and some ones that don't work out like Wayne Selden sometimes. But beyond that, next game here is the Philadelphia 76ers, the San Antonio Spurs. The Sixers have TJ McConnell coming back from, I think it was a death in the family. I think it was his grandfather passed away, so it was at the funeral, so we missed last game. That led to Ben Simmons just playing a ton of minutes and had an awesome game. I do think that it's possible that Simmons is over the little funk he was in. He was in the rut where he just wasn't really playing particularly well for a little bit. The issue I have here is just the matchup against the Spurs. The Spurs are so good on defense. They are, I think, top five at limiting fantasy points to every single position. So Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Dario Sarch, like I think all these guys are really good players, especially for DFS in the right situations. I just don't think this is the right spot for them. I think that while the prices for the price for Ben Simmons went back up to 8,500 after last game, and just the pace and the matchup, the Sixers are going to be fades for me tonight. And then from the Spurs side of the game, LaMarcus Aldridge, 8,300. I think he's the best play here. A lot of usage with Kawhi Leonard not playing, and the price is a little bit cheaper than it was in recent games. Yeah, he was at 87, 89, 8,600 last three games. And he's also just been really awesome lately. I think he's had, it's actually weird. He's had over 45 fantasy points or under 30 fantasy points in every single game for the last about month. But either way, 
he has had more games over 45 than the ones below. So I, I like this spot a lot for Aldridge. Well, I think one reason for pessimism is that Pau Gasol is back, and it's just more usage and a better spot for Aldridge when Gasol doesn't play. That doesn't mean I think it's a bad spot, Gasol though. only I... missed one game, though. Um, was it one? I thought it was two. Okay. Well, anyway, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's a bad spot for Aldridge. I think he is the best Spurs guys Spurs guy to use. Uh, DeHonte Murray has been priced up now to 5400 Kyle Anderson, I, I don't think either of us really like Kyle Anderson anyway, and he's gotten more expensive. Um, and then for the Sixers, Ben Simmons should be really high-owned because of how good he was last game. So I'm definitely not going there, but I do think that Joel Embiid at 9800 will be contrarian enough that it's worth using him at least a little bit just because of how good he is and just how generally underpriced he is. It's a really tough matchup, but if there's any Sixers guy to use, I, I think it is Embiid. Uh, but my fair, favorite player from this game is definitely also LaMarcus Aldridge. Okay, two games left. This next one, the Portland Trailblazers at the Dallas Mavericks. It's pretty odd that this game doesn't have a spread or a total right now just because there's no real injury news. Yeah, it's it's from... popped up at a couple places, actually. Uh, I think it's Pickham with a 208.5 total. Okay, so 208.5, fairly low. Uh, one guy who I do think is an interesting GPP play, Matt, who I think you're going to like, is Ed Davis from the Portland side. Oh, yes, one of my favorite backup big men. For some reason, all of my favorite players in the NBA are backup big men. So Ed Davis has played 21-plus minutes now in three consecutive games. Ed Davis is a really nice permanent producer for the season. Uh, Actually, that's not true. I don't know why I thought he was doing Recently, he's been a good permanent producer. He has been recently. Um... I thought he was like a point-per-minute producer. For the season, he's uh, scoring 16.5 fantasy points in 18.5 minutes. But either way, even that production, if he's going to play uh, like 22 to 24 minutes, at 3,400, that's still a decent chance for him to have like a 20-plus fantasy point game. So as we said before, there aren't really a lot of great cheap value plays on the slate. And I think that Ed Davis, for right now, looks like a pretty decent one. That could change if we have a bunch of injuries ruling guys out for tomorrow. But for now, I think Ed Davis looks like a pretty good play. Uh, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, I think there's just better targets on the slate. I think Nurkic is fine for GPPs just because we've seen the upside from him from time to time. Uh, From the Dallas side of the game, let's see, where's everybody priced at here? Harrison Barnes, 6,300. Dennis Smith Jr. at 6,100. I think they're both fine plays. And then J.J. Barea's minutes, he got up to 27 minutes last game. He was not great uh, production-wise, but I I still think 27 minutes of J.J. Barea is worth using in GPPs at 4,600. Yeah, Barea shot one of nine from the field last game, and he was playing against Chris Paul for a good amount of it. Um, if he's going to play 27 minutes, I think he's a really strong play at 4,600. I actually like a lot of the Mavericks players for this game. They kind of just seem to be all underpriced. Um, with Devin Harris out, I think it's meant a little bit of a minutes increase for, well, I guess for Berea, but also for Dennis Smith Jr. Um, 6,100 is sort of where he's been priced at for most of the year, but he he's played over 30 minutes in a few games in a row now. So I think there's a lot more uh, reason to trust the minutes. There's more consistency now. 6300 for Barnes, I think, is too cheap also. So, yeah, I'm with you on all of those guys. 
And then I think Ed Davis is someone I would use unless we get that Grizzlies information and there's some value plays there. I think I would prefer almost all of those Grizzlies guys to Ed Davis, but if Tyreek Evans is in or if we just don't know who to pick from Memphis, then I think Davis would be one of the better punt plays. Uh, and yeah, I also agree. No one, no one else really from Portland seems like an intriguing pick. Okay, next game, Knicks at Suns. So for the Knicks, Tim Hardaway Jr. was a uh, late was a pretty late scratch for tonight, but not done with an injury. It was just rest as he works his way back from the stress reaction in his leg. I think part of it could also be that the Knicks have lifted the minutes restriction on him. He played 35 minutes last game. So I think he'll go right back to playing that like 35 plus, like his regular minutes for this matchup and a really strong matchup against the Suns. And I think that's why they rest him tonight, just because they wanted to be able to play him full minutes for one of those games. So I think poor Zingas is in play at 8,300. I think Hardaway is fine at 6,600. Uh, too expensive for Ennis Canner. Uh, Michael Beasley, assuming Hardaway plays, not in play. I think that Porzingis and Hardaway are the guys from the Knicks. From the Sun side of the game, I'm going to assume that Greg Monroe is back to being a DNP coach's decision unless Alex Len isn't able to play. So Len missed last game with a foot injury, and he's questionable on the injury report. So if Len is out again, then I think we'll see some more of Greg Monroe, and he is priced at... Let's see. 5,700. I still think it's usable for Monroe, but that is only if Len is out. It's kind of crazy where I, I think if Len doesn't play, Monroe is probably plays the third most minutes on the Suns and probably has the second most fantasy production. But if Len plays, then Monroe just DNP coaches decision. Like, he's not playable if Alex Len's active. But he would play more minutes and be more productive than Len if Len plays, and that's almost a guarantee. So I think that uh, Devin Booker's a decent play. TJ Warren is questionable. If he can't play, then I think Josh Jackson goes in the starting lineup. He's a good play at 4,200. So some contingencies here, but uh, there's some potential value on the Suns. Well, I'll, me- I'll mention uh, Tyson Chandler, too. A little bit of a revenge narrative, but also 4,400, I think, is a pretty usable price for Chandler in general anyway. And I think he does have more minute security if Alex Lenz out. The reason he didn't play that much last game is because he was in some pretty egregious foul trouble. He picked up his fourth foul, I think, the first play of the second half. And he, I think he had two fouls in the first, got his third foul early in the second. So just really limited role for Tyson Chandler. Uh, he should be really low-owned. And I think this game could be pretty low-owned. Um, and it might be one of the stronger stack spots. We don't have a Vegas line for it yet because the Knicks are currently playing still as we're talking about this. Uh, but in Phoenix is a good matchup. I agree with you on Hardaway and Porzingis. And Devin Booker with TJ Warren out, or if we know that he's out, more usage, uh, more of a focal point of the offense. But I think Booker's usable anyway. And maybe Chandler is the guy you use. I don't know if I would use Monroe, though. Uh, if we know that Alex Lund's out, maybe it makes sense to have some Monroe lineups, some Chandler lineups, because I would guess one of them has a good game. And then if Warren's out, I definitely agree on Josh Jackson. So hopefully we get the news for this game before lock. Um, it's the last game on the slate, but it's at 9 o'clock, so it might not be enough of a time gap where we have to worry too much about the late injury updates. Uh, it's only two hours after lock, even though it's the last game. So maybe we get lucky and we find out before uh, before rosters lock what's actually going on here. 
Well, here would be my argument for Greg Monroe over Tyson Chandler. Greg Monroe, in the games that Len has either not played or Chandler has not played, so where there's been two available centers on the roster, because there were a couple times where Monroe came in like garbage time, played like three minutes. Here's his fantasy production in those games. 43, 35, 35, 32, 37, 23, 32, 34, 20, and 33. But what do the minutes look like in those games? Because I don't think we can reliably expect Monroe to play that many minutes if Tyson Chandler is also active and starting. He played 30 minutes with Chandler starting last game and finished with 16 points and 17 rebounds. Right, I think, but last game was an exception where Chandler just couldn't stay on the court because of foul trouble. I'll pull it up now, but I think Tyson Chandler played only like 10 minutes. Yeah, it was exactly 10 minutes in the game where he picked up his fourth foul early in the second half, and then the game was a blowout, so he just never came back in. I don't think we can expect Monroe to have that level of production unless, I mean, unless it's the same situation again. But I think it's going to be hard for him to play more than 25 minutes unless Chandler gets in foul trouble again. I think he just plays himself into minutes because I think he's so productive whenever he comes on the floor. He's so much better than Tyson Chandler. Well, I, I just think I, I think that if he's out there and he's playing, he's going to perform well and he's going to he's going to force himself into minutes. Tyson Chandler last game played ten minutes and scored zero fantasy points. Yeah, Chandler definitely had a bad game, but the Suns were just really bad until the Pacers took their starters out, and then Monroe led a really uh, really impressive garbage time run where I think the Pacers uh, had a thirty five point lead and the Suns cut it to fifteen. Um, I think also I'd be more comfortable with Monroe if we know that TJ Warren's out. The Suns haven't done this all year, but maybe they would play Monroe and Chandler at the same time. Uh, do you think that that's possible if they don't have TJ Warren and they're just limited with their depth with uh, Alex Line also out? Um, maybe, but probably not because uh, they also have Marquise Chris is expected to play. So I think that he would play more of the power forward minutes. Um, I just, I just think that Greg Monroe, like it, it looks like thirteen hundred looks like a big price difference between Tyson Chandler and Greg Monroe. Until you consider that Greg Monroe has literally had like two fantasy games where he scored under thirty-five fantasy points. Tyson Chandler has scored over thirty fantasy points zero times since December fourth, and he plays way more often than Greg Monroe, who has scored over 35 fantasy points every single game he's played since then. Well, the last argument I make, and I'll make, and you you definitely know this firsthand, is that Tyson Chandler was almost at much bigger games if he had just gotten one more basket and reached his double-double bonus, because he's come up just short of it many times, it seems like. No, he, it's it's the points are always the issue for him. Yeah, he's had a 8.13 rebound game, a 9.14 rebound game. I guess six points and 11 rebounds is pretty close. Yeah, he's almost at that double-double bonus every time. He just doesn't score enough. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. You play Greg Monroe because he gets a double-double bonus in the first half. All right, well, I guess I'm convinced now. Greg Monroe, double-double bonus, and that's uh, that's all you need. As long as you get the double-double bonus you make for a good tournament play. Yeah, well, if, if, and all irrelevant when we find out that Alex Len is playing tomorrow. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll just uh, leave it at this. If we don't know the status of Alex Len at lock, are you playing either Chandler or Monroe or just fading the entire situation? No, definitely fading it. Because uh, if if there's any chance that Len plays, like I think I think that Greg Monroe is playing probably like 30 minutes tomorrow or he's playing zero minutes, and I don't really think that there's 
he's either having a really big game or he's playing zero minutes, and it's contingent on Alex Lyon not playing. Yep, the Suns are just stupid, and hopefully they tell us what they're doing before lock. So that'll finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GArenbergDFS. Matt's story handle is at PreachingSense. Uh, at some point next week, we will do a football podcast with the goofy slates that DraftKings and FanDuel both have. So we'll do some strategies for both of them. Matt and I have ad nauseum talked about these stupid contests <laughs> and came up with weird strategies. We're probably going to like kickers. Really what we're waiting for is more defin- a more definitive update on Rob Kronkowski because that's, that's the most important news for the Super Bowl. So everybody have a good weekend, and we'll be back next week.